are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Engaging an exciting conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Every week on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in once again to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. How's everybody doing? (laughs) Better than you were last week. (laughs) Um, Last week was an interesting episode. It was all about feminism and whether or not it can even blend with Christianity. So if you didn't listen to that, I urge you to go back and listen to the fireworks that uh, were popping off between Cookie Monster and our guests in the studio last week. That was interesting, I must say. Just for the record, we actually get along. And um, we, we don't like hate each other or anything. It's <laughs> just a moment of passion. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you want to call it that. Okay. Um, okay, intensity. Still. <laughs> Gosh, okay. Drop it. <laughs> All right, so this week, still, we are in Women's Month. So we're going to continue with the whole subject of women and their role in business, in society, in the church. And we've brought along three guests this week to Full House. We've got our white chocolate brownie, <laughs> aka Wasu. How are you, Sean? I'm good, thank you. Great to be back again with you guys. Thank you for coming back. And then we've got Eugene in the house. Hey, Eugene. He's got his own podcast, but you can tell us a bit about yourself since you've never been here. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I know, I'm, so yeah, to I'm, I'm, I'm just introducing what? you, so you need to tell us now. Right now? <laughs> yeah, like right now. Okay, I'm the bad guy of the show. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so, my name is Eugene, and um, I'm, I work in media pretty much. Uh, I'm popularly known for starting Comic Exposed, uh, but uh, my day job is mostly in advertising. I am a Christian and um, I am educated as a social scientist, so I'm really excited about today's topic. No and, um, What's a social scientist? Um, well, I studied social studies. In I actually capacity. thought you studied oh, animation. That one means of you're really no, good for this episode, science. actually. Are you serious? Yeah, so... Uh, feminism is one of my favorite uh, political theories, so I'm excited about that. So, Interesting. Yeah, I'm a blend of all sorts of things, and I'm also a single guy. I was, I was told that I had to, that was a prerequisite for what? coming Since here. What? Okay. Single as in like mm-hmm. not married, not married. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm definitely in a relationship. Because, dude, we don't want people hating. We don't want somebody hating this podcast because of me. Because you came out here to do a single, bro. I was just saying Facebook. Like. <laughs> And yeah, then thank you for having me, guys. Thank you, Eugene. And then we have Percy in the house. Yes, thanks, guys. Uh, so I'm Percy, short for perseverance. I am an engineer by background. Uh, and I love evangelism. That's my other kind of side gig. <laughs> side gig, I think it's like you that can call that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for joining us. So let's get this going. All right. <laughs> So, I don't even know how to start this discussion, right? Because, no, maybe I, T-Mac should start. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I, maybe let's start in Corinthians. <laughs> Sean is looking at me like, okay, where's she going to go? I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I don't know the exact verse, but the one that's, I think it's 1 Corinthians 11 or 12, somewhere in there, where it says, women must not speak in the church. Right? You know the verse? And I'm pretty sure you're about to read it. You want to go right there, do you? Yeah, let's go there. <laughs> do you mind reading the verse? Maybe I should have started. <laughs> do you mind reading the verse? Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, let's go there. Uh, where are we? 
in the Bible, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. It's the one about head covering. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Ash, that's scripture, guys. <laughs> Why do we have to start? Yeah. Here? Here we go. Uh, so I read the whole thing. Uh, just a relevant bit. Uh, Weird bashes women. That part. <laughs> when bashes women. It doesn't bash. Okay, fine. Honestly. Just stuck, Chris sticks us in a corner over there. <laughs> So verse 4, let's start at verse 4. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Um, But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For a woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if, if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Bruh. Is that the one? That's not the one, but anyway, it's fine. It's we can work with that one. That one's equally Bravo. mean. <laughs> I actually have nothing to say. <laughs> sure, what are they saying? Because it just sounds like they're being really mean <laughs> to women. Well, I think, if I may, mm-hmm. uh, the, the scripture is quite. It'll take us some time to to get to the bottom of it and to understand it fully. But I think. If we could do a definition of terms, mm-hmm. uh, and so I would put to us that the two terms that we're discussing today are complementarianism and egalitarianism. Right. So those are the two <clears throat> different, and there's actually a scale of perspectives that go to the extreme of feminism and the other extreme of uh, patriarchism. So Chauvinism, yeah, all of that. So, and where we come in the middle is sort of halfway in the middle this way is kind of uh, soft complementarianism and soft egalitarianism, Mm -hmm. if you would have it. I would give a definition of complementarianism as that complementarians believe in the essential quality of men and women as persons. Men and women are equal as human beings created in God's image, holding to gender distinctions. Now, this is the difference because complementarians hold to gender distinctions when it comes to functional roles in the church and the home specifically and some would say in society too. Mm -hmm. Egalitarians believe that there are no gender distinctions and that since we are all one in Christ, women and men are interchangeable when it comes to functional roles in the church, uh, leadership and in the household. Holding to Galatians 3 is one of the key uh, scriptures saying that we are all one in Christ. Right. So those would be the the two distinctions that we are probably discussing today. Are those fair definitions, would you say? Percy and Eugene, would you be happy yeah. with those definitions? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just yeah, as a guy. Those, those make sense to me. I think, I think. So I, I think when we look at scripture through some definitions, we should not look at 
definite we should look at definitions through scripture mm-hmm. um i would really want to put to us what we actually believe and just check that we're on the same page with okay. some beliefs at the all outset right. if that's okay yeah before venturing into some tricky skip- scriptures do we all believe that we're made in god's image yeah absolutely well yeah. there just then it said woman is made in man's image right. and man is made in god's, god's image. image yeah but god made man and woman i'm going to the bathroom image. Oh. Doesn't Genesis say that? <laughs> Go. that God made man Come and back when you guys finish right? yeah. talking about this. <laughs> yes, okay, fine. So uh, Corinthians on its mm-hmm. own, we, we can't hold that passage of Scripture to trump all other Scriptures. Mm-hmm. We've got right. to read it in the context of the whole Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if we're in agreement that man and woman are created in the image of God, we're on safe ground. Mm-hmm. If we're in agreement. Uh-huh. We do know that Eve... Uh, that God put Adam to sleep and took a rib from Adam, right? Yeah. And created Eve from Adam's rib. But who created Adam and from what? It was God. So yeah. God is the creator. Awful. In the image of God, God created man and women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we're in agreement there, we can move on. Yeah. Uh, and that's in the image of God as a trinity. So I believe this issue is crucial because it reflects our understanding of God as triune. Mm-hmm. And we'll come to that in a bit. We believe that male and female are equal in personhood, mm-hmm. value, and importance. That's what complementarians believe. I believe that's what egalitarians believe. I, I would declare outright that I am of the complementarian view okay. uh, and persuasion. Thirdly, that we believe that male and female are equal as heirs of salvation. Mm-hmm. God doesn't save men more than he does women or mm-hmm. women more than he does men yeah. and then i would say that we believe that our relationships are to reflect the relationships of the father son and holy spirit as the image bearers of god uh, and when we look at the trinity so as we read the scripture we must look at it through imago dei our image bearing of mm-hmm. god in that god the father heads the trinity right yeah. <clears throat> god the son submits to the father and obeys the Father, comes to earth. Mm-hmm. God the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. Would you agree? Yeah. yeah. That there's a submission to a third. But each are, are God, right? Yeah. One of them can't say, no, I'm more God than you are. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is fully God and fully Spirit. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is the nature and identity of manhood and womanhood, as we understand it. If we go on, uh, we believe that men are not superior to women. So I think they're totally agree. patriarchy. <laughs> Uh, some would say, no, men are superior to women. So men have got to be superior to women to keep control over society. We disagree with that. Complementarians will disagree with that. So that we are not superior to women, men, and that women are not inferior to men. Right. We believe that God gives different gifts to his children according to his grace, mm-hmm. as he sees fit. And that we believe that God has given different complementary roles. So this is the difference. I think this is where we're going to differ. Mm-hmm. Different complementary roles and functions that do not negate equality. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we're going to probably have a bone to chew. To men and women in the home and in the church. Complementary. That reflect the Trinity with different roles or functions. And that reflect Christ's relationship with his church. And I believe this is why it's such a crucial issue that we discuss this. Mm-hmm. Because of the nature of the Trinity and how we're made in the image of God as Trinity and because of how the relationship of Christ and the church are portrayed. So those are two key issues that we're looking at when we discuss manhood and womanhood. And that's essentially what's, what's on the table, you know, how that outworks. And I believe that we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, everyone. 
Right. And finally, that we believe that men and women are not simply interchangeable, mm -hmm. but rather they complement each other in mutually enriching ways. Mm -hmm. That would be a moderate complementarian's view and perspective. And if we can agree on that, we can, we can then discuss with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Sean, because I think it gives a very necessary background. Sure. Um, looks like you found the scripture. Yeah, I did. Although, like, you've just given me fuel from reading that one. But <laughs> it's actually 1 Corinthians 14, verse 34, which says, um, The women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. So, okay, I do understand that this is in a Jewish context, because that's usually what the first pe thing people say is like, no, that was the mm -hmm. culture. But um, I do feel like some of these things are carried over when the gospel is then preached in certain places. And then if the culture there is already patriarchal, they'll just read the scripture and be like, yeah, well, that's kind of the same as our Shona culture or our Ndebele culture or whatever. And be like, yeah, women, yeah, they should be at home. And if they want to know anything, ask their husband. Sure. Now that's, that's, that's patriarchy, right? Yeah. That's an extreme. That's, and I don't believe that's biblical and fair. Paul was addressing an issue in the Corinthian mm. church, but mm. I do believe that God gives us the whole of Scripture, and it's relevant to us today. So it's not just relevant to that culture in that time, but certainly is relevant to us today. We've just got to ask God, how, how does this relate to me today? Mm. Yeah. And what is the context I need to interpret it through? Mm. So I, I, think that's, I think that's very accurate because um, another scripture from Paul came to mind where he talks about the behavior of slaves. And that was um, in the context of the age that they were living in at the time. And he was um, talking about slaves being obedient to their masters, even in bondage. And if we look at the transition of time and where we are now, we can't we can't tolerate the idea of slavery as yeah. it is. So I think it's it's right to say, you know, I, I really agree with Sean when he says uh, we need to look at it um, from the cultural perspective, the time perspective, and for it to exist in the exact same way or to be exploited in the exact same way today is pure patriarchy. It's uh, chauvinism in its purest form. What I want to ask is, you know, you, you get church leaders. For example, um, I remember many years ago reading a book by Catherine Coleman, mm -hmm. right? And she was a very famous uh, evangelist. Well, she wasn't really evangelist. She was more prophetic in her ministry, but she had like a huge ministry. Mm. So my, my question then is, within, within a, a church context or within the context of, I guess, the, 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 the kingdom, right? If Paul there is talking about how a woman is not supposed to, to speak in church, right? And yet it seems like God anoints women to speak. You know, you've got, you've got your Joyce Myers and many other women that are running very uh, huge ministries and I guess successful ministries, right? Still being used by God, changing lives. So how does that add up? Maybe we can, we can talk about that. Percy. Yeah, I, I would like us to go to First Timothy 2, I think. Uh, I would like to bring the aspect that it's not the only time that Paul mentions that women... Uh, well, in First Timothy 2, Paul says, I do not permit women to lead. Um, so 
the, the aspect of it coming in First Corinthians in the Corinthian church, it also comes up in the Ephesus church. So are we also saying that they were from a patriarchal, are we totally r- ruling it out that this is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, so it doesn't apply? I actually think there's something there and we need to chew the bone further and not just mm. um, throw out the baby with the water. So I think Paul was onto something. Mm. Um, there is, for me personally, um, I don't like looking at... Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't like looking at current ministries and say, oh, Joyce Meyer is a, is a, is a preacher and she's doing well, so surely women can lead. I think we should always use the base. Because it's working for Joyce Meyer, it doesn't mean it's right. I mean, there are many... Yeah, so I personally think that leadership for women in church, we need to lean it more using scripture. Yeah. Maybe the first Corinthian one, yes. Maybe that one is a bit too extreme and this contextually so extreme okay let me read your timothy verse yeah it says one one timothy two verse 12 mm. i do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man rather she is to remain silent well, well let's go on and find out why because then he follows his argument with four adam was formed first so paul every time roots his argument in creation in the order of creation mm-hmm. says for adam was formed first then eve and adam was not deceived but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor yet she'll be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control Bruh. so i <laughs> you know, so we we get a little bit deeper and it can get very emotive <laughs> If we don't ground our... Y'all should be so happy uh, yeah. that Sokostina is not here right now. That's all I'm saying. That is all I'm saying. Well, it's the wow. Bible. And I think we need to honor the Bible as God's word and mm. true. And then work out, like, why would Paul say that stuff? Like, I want to know, Paul, what are you on about, bro? Because okay, that she's saying... I'm sorry. He's saying women should not exercise authority over a man. So that actually goes beyond the four walls of the church. That means like she can't be a, a guy's boss in a workplace. It means she can't be the head of a home. Is that what what if there's no male figure there and she has a son? That's exercising authority over a man. Well, so this is the tricky one. I believe the church and family are significant areas where the scripture relates to. And this is where Paul's speaking. He's not speaking into business. He's speaking into the church. He's talking about church situations, teaching, exercising authority over a man in the church setting and in the family setting as we read in Corinthians. And I think the reason why Paul does that, he grounds it in the order of creation. So when we look at Genesis, it's very interesting, the order of creation, and that God created man first in his image, and then God instructed Adam, even before creating Eve. God instructed Adam, gave him the responsibility to name the animals. In fact, Adam even named Eve, and that was after sin, after the curse, Adam still had the responsibility of naming his wife, Eve. And that was a huge authority. God spoke to Adam about what he was to do. And then there's kind of an idea that we get that then Adam needed to let Eve know what their role was. That's not to say Eve didn't have direct access to God, that she had to come through her husband to get to God and ask God, hey, what's the deal? You gave these instructions to Adam. Why don't you just tell me what to do? So God gives us this kind of idea that authority uh, rests with Adam. That's before the fall. It's not a result of the fall, I would say, the order of creation. 
because Paul always goes back to that. And many egalitarians would say, no, 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 it's a result of the curse. And Jesus came, Galatians 3, after Jesus came, he died on the cross to uh, remove the curse of sin. And so it's no longer that way. But this was actually before the fall that God gave Adam the mandate. In fact, there's a very interesting verse, if I can take us a little bit deeper into it, in Genesis chapter 3, the result of the curse of sin. And it says this, uh, interestingly, it says, uh, your desire, saying to Eve, this is the result of the curse, your desire shall be for your husband. Interestingly, in the ESV, that word for has a little mark on it and something at the bottom in the footnote. And it says against. So one of the curses of the fall is that a wife will be against her husband. The NLT takes it further and says, you will want to control your husband. That's what it says in the NLT, New Living Translation. The result of the curse is that wives will want to control and, uh, you know, usurp authority that God has given to your husband. So I know this is, this is getting into... Uh, what if Eugene's the dude is weak, bro? <laughs> so, I mean, how do you deal with that? It's like part of the curse, part of sin, has left us in this world of longing for equality and let's getting it back where we've not realized that we are equal mm. so i believe that women are fighting back for equality because of the abuse that man has given women and uh -huh. egalitarianism often swings to try and get that balance back mm. without i believe being biblical mm. and true to what scripture calls it because sure. i believe the ultimate argument if i can say the key issue here yeah. is that equality is not defined by our roles. So mm. we're not equal because we have equal opportunity in roles. So if women want to be elders of a church and can't be because complementarianism mm. believes they can't, then we're not equal. Mm. We are equal. We're equal in God's sight, equal to salvation and functions and authority. And equality is defined by our identity as image bearers of God, not what we get to do, function, role. I think that's the key argument. All right. Um, okay. So I hear what you're saying, Sean. <clears throat> the challenge, right, I think is that that sounds very theoretical, right? In the sense that, yes, the Bible does say we're equal, and, I, and I'm, I'm hearing the argument. The challenge that's there, though, is that on the ground is a totally different picture where men for the most part, you know, have been, you know, they, they, they've dominated the scene for a very long time. And unfortunately, to a large extent, you know, w women have been marginalized. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And so what does this equality actually mean practically? Because the, the challenge that I think is there, which is actually what's resulted in, I guess, all, all these movements that have emerged is that the ladies also feel like, okay, you, you keep telling us that we're equal, but we're not equal. You get all the opportunity. You get to have get as many more. women as you want, you right? Get paid you, more. you get paid more. And my job is to stay at home and just kind of chill there. I'm very qualified. I'm very competent, but I'm not getting opportunity. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying that. What, what does that actually mean within a church context? And then maybe we can take it outside the walls of the church as well, practically, because I think that's where, that's where the issue is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe we can, we can kind of discuss that. I want to hear what Percy. Okay. Um, well, I really struggled with this. Uh, my views changed about a year ago. I became part of a church that is very conservative. And I remember going through a Bible study on First Timothy 2. 
And then I thought, man, I'm not going to be obedient to that. I mean, I'm, I'm an engineer. I'm doing my master's. I'm, I, I think better than some of my church counterparts. Why can't I preach uh, in church on a Sunday? But when I read the word, I think when we read the word, our attitude should be obedience. And yes, we need to learn more how to read the Bible in context and learning how to apply it. But if we, yes, the world is is rubbish right now uh, to women. Um, in terms of opportunities, we haven't gotten as many opportunities. In my but thought, class... But I thought it was getting better. Uh, in my <laughs> class, in my engineering <laughs> class, we were six girls out of 100. And not because they're not, other women would want to be engineers, but it's just a really tough world. When you get to work, there are no toilets for women. And yeah, but those are two separate issues. Um, because the world is really harsh and difficult to women, does not mean this picture that the Bible is painting is not correct. Um, I think in the right, in the kingdom, the way it should be done is even as women, as we submit and follow what the word says, as men take their role and love us and, and not... Um, and not uh, like be harsh on us. Somehow, everything. The word you're looking for is oppressed. Yes, mm. thank you. <laughs> I'm not a social scientist. <laughs> yes, I I don't think the Bible is being oppressive to women in any way. And I think there's a beauty to to submission. There's a beauty in what the Bible prescribes for for women. And it's hard to imagine now because of all the oppression in the world, but. I think the Bible's on to something. And if we learned to apply some of these kingdom principles, the order that um, Sean was talking about, I think that might be the solution. Not that we're all equal. Yes, we are all equal, but our roles are different. So, okay, let me see if I'm hearing you guys correctly. You're saying that specifically, okay, let's deal with the church for now, that the leadership roles are for men. Can I oh. can I qualify? But Phoebe was an elder, wasn't she? Was she not? I don't believe so. Oh. I don't believe Phoebe was an elder. The mm. other argument is for Junus mm. being an apostle. Yeah. Uh, so those are two particular arguments. Mm. I think Phoebe was a deaconess, yeah, okay. uh, a deacon, and I, I, I would be happy with a deacon role yeah, uh, okay. for women. And I would say that the only roles that are reserved for men in the church, for qualified men, not for all men, because there are certainly a lot more <laughs> qualified women, in a sense, than men. That's, yeah, that's my leadership. point, though, yeah. So I, I want to clarify the statement that leadership is not just reserved for men. Women are really great leaders. We look at Deborah, we look at many examples, mm. Esther, we look at Hannah, mm. we look at how women have led extremely... We look at Proverbs 31. Mm. You just think of this amazing wife of noble character. I don't, like, I don't like that scripture. You don't read it. <laughs> yeah, because the man is just chilling at the gate. So what we want to do is make sure that we qualify, qualify that statement. That it's not just leadership roles that are reserved for men. There are leadership roles. I mean, I would say it's wonderful for women to lead worship, wonderful for women to lead in prayer, wonderful for women to lead absolutely anywhere except in a governing role, governance role of eldership or Apostle. Now, now, there are some definitions to those that 
people interpret differently. Mm -hmm. uh, happy for women to prophesy. There were women prophetesses mm -hmm. who prophesied and spoke. But the difference between an elder, one who governs uh, the church, and it's because of the nature of Jesus' role in the church. It's because Jesus is our head, and we are modeling Jesus' headship in the church. Right. Modeling the Trinity in the church with male elders. So Jesus submitted to the Father, the Holy Spirit submitted to the Father and the Son. Jesus, the church submits to Jesus, so that's marriage and the church. And that's the model we look for. They've got to be people who submit to leadership. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so, and there is the scripture that says submit to one another, yes. Mm -hmm. But we've got to take that in context too. So I, be I believe complementarianism follows the Bible. There are no examples in Scripture. Uh, you know, Phoebe's the one I believe is a deacon, and Junus, who said uh, some would interpret that that she was an apostle, that Junus is a she. Some what about Priscilla? Priscilla mm. and Aquila uh -huh. uh, doesn't state that Priscilla was an elder. It says Priscilla was hospitable, possibly a deacon as well, deaconess as well. Right. Uh, and so even in the qualifications of elders in Scripture, the two key passages of Scripture in Titus and Timothy are specifically addressed to men. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you can't put a woman into those qualifications in Scripture. There isn't a model on Jesus' team of his key disciples, the apostles, which he called to oversee the church. And so as much as we try to twist scripture and want to, to try and make it fit for our cultural context to, you know, because we think we're not equal, we are equal. But I believe that scripture leads us to see that those roles, eldership and apostleship are reserved for men only. I really struggle with that. I'll just be honest. I really struggle with that. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm a feminist or anything like that, but like to say that someone's gender is what qualifies, apart from the other qualifications, but okay, rather that someone's gender disqualifies them from serving in a certain role just seems a bit ridiculous. I don't know, just for me as I'm listening to you, like, leadership. Yeah, but it, like, it it's just them. her gender. It just, I, I think it doesn't mean it disqualifies women, it qualifies us for a different ministry uh, it talks about let the older women talk to younger women and um, instruct them and it, it doesn't disqualify us it we just have different roles in the church and I don't think leadership or governing authorities it that's the it uh, of, of serving the church and I don't think it takes away from us as women that eldership is not for women I think God had something else in mind for us. And maybe if we, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I struggled with this as well. But I think let our hearts as we go through scripture be, Lord, I obey. Not because it, it's convenient, not because it fits what the c culture says, but because you say so. And it dis doesn't just disqualify women, it disqualifies most men too who don't fit the qualifications for eldership, it disqualifies children. Now you might say, well, that's a bit of a slap in the face. You know, you're just trying to make an argument here for that sake. But certainly it is a high role to aspire to be an elder and a biblical one at that. You know, it's, it's noble. And I think it's one of the roles that we've got to hold firmly to scripture on. And, and we can't deviate from scripture and try to use other scriptures to qualify our feeling of disqualification. 
but actually honored to say, wow, that is such an honorable role. And you know, I would say, and if we look at it a different way, that submission is such a God-glorifying trait that actually submission to, uh, to God, submission to authority, actually glorifies God so much. So the opportunity, we say, how can I be robbed of the opportunity? Actually, the opportunity, and I don't want to patronize us with this, is greater in the opportunity to submit to glorify God, just as Jesus submitted to the Father when he said, Father, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I think if we look at it in that light, and I, I love, let, let me just I clarify this with it. I have a lady boss okay, <laughs> who is younger than me, and I gladly submit to her. I met with her today in one of the contexts that I serve in, not in the church, okay? Uh, this is in a, uh, another context. <laughs> <laughs> Gladly submit to her. She's younger than me by nearly 10 years, 8 years, 7 years. Far cleverer than I am. <laughs> this you know. And I gladly <laughs> submit to her leadership. And, and it's a joy for me to submit and serve in that context. But that certainly isn't in the home or in the church. And I believe those are two precious entities set up by God uh, to reflect the nature of the Trinity and the nature of Christ's relationship with the church. And that's why I think it's such a foundational and key issue. So, okay. So like, okay, say a church is trying to do its succession planning. You're telling me that if, say, God forbid, the senior pastor passes away, his very capable wife is there ready to take the reins and lead the church because she's been, you know, there from the beginning. The vision is in her. The mandate is in her. The mission is in her. And now she wants to be president and... Anyway, <laughs> church contest. So, would it it'd be remiss for them to just be like, well, she's the next in line to lead, or they'd have to find a man just because a man has to be in charge? Well, I, I would honestly say that it's down to calling and the calling of God, not necessarily of man choosing. And I think that's where we often get it wrong and get mixed up is when man says, no, we think that person should lead because they're the most qualified and they're the most. I have women in the church that I serve who are, are far better prayers than me, probably far better preachers than I am, far better uh, with the gift of prophecy. But I don't believe scripture or God, God has called them to obedience in scripture to be called to that role. So I don't believe that a pastor's wife would be called to that role and I believe actually she'd be disobedient to God and unfaithful to scripture if she did fulfill that role. What? And so Guys. I believe it would essentially be sinful. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's that's the bottom line for me. But God says things and then you know, sometimes he unsays those things. <laughs> so, really? Yeah, I mean, you know, Abraham went up there ready to sacrifice Isaac. He was told, stop. So maybe in this instance, God would be like, no, no, no. I don't I'll want a man exception. this time. I want a woman. Can I, wait. And you would all think that everyone's hearing wrong if we think that God is saying the woman should be in charge. I'm just trying to understand that's what you guys are saying. Mary was called by God to give birth to God's own son. What an amazing role that God gave her. She was obedient and said, Father, whatever you've called me to do, I will do that gladly. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us in creation, our role, God, the purpose God gave us is to glorify him to be, by being obedient to him and bringing joy to all people. 
and uh, I must let this brother speak in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that we've really got to be faithful to God ultimately, and then God gives us His Word to help us to know how to be faithful to Him. And I don't believe that Scripture leads us to see that we would be faithful to God or to Scripture if uh, we permitted or voted in a woman as an elder or governor of a church in a governance role. Uh, and so I think it's down to obedience to Scripture, obedience to God. Yeah, Eugene. Well, okay, I've got a, a lot of uh, questions, um, mostly, and I need to put in a disclaimer and say some of the things um, I'm going to uh, pose, some of the questions I'm going to pose, uh, are going to help out, I hope, the audience uh, that is of a younger breed of Christians that I believe subscribe to this podcast. And some of it might be controversial in quotes, but uh, let me take it away before I forget my question. Um, are we, are we uh, in a position to assume that in the same way that systems that existed in society, such as slavery, fell away with time, and though uh, slaves are encouraged by Paul to submit to their masters, and that doesn't really apply today because that the framework of slavery has passed away with time. Mm -hmm. Can we say that the system of patriarchy has outlived and outlasted uh, slavery, and we should accept it because it's there in the Bible? Because in the if you look at the two in the same light, and if you look at the person who's addressing these issues and uh, strengthening these frameworks, these social frameworks, because that's what they are, they affect people. Should we say that we should uh, stand by patriarchy or this oppression, <clears throat> because that's that's what it is, in, in one way or another, when you uh, when you uh, deny someone the opportunity to 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 do something, in the same way that you can deny someone their liberty or de deny someone you know access to information or whatever, it is a form of oppression. Can we say that it is fine, given? how we've tolerated other transition. Okay, so, so that's not me saying what Paul was saying is wrong. I'm saying this is a question that a lot of young people are going to ask, uh, especially the confused young millennials, me include, included, who subscribe to, to podcasts such as this one. And then we look at you know, the, the amount of information that they're bombarded with on a daily basis uh, today we've got what's known as the leftist or the social justice movement, mm -hmm. and part of it, you know, does you know come against uh, you know patriarchy and and its oppressive systems. And young people today are very familiar with it. That's why the voice of women within the church uh, is you know the voice is rising up because there's this this uh, competition from outside sources of information or, mm -hmm. or frames of thought, such as, you know, the social justice movements, yeah. which are bringing women to a position where they can analyze or judge for themselves whether their position in the church is truly complementing or equal to that of a man. So those are some of the things that I'm, I'm, I, I thought would bring in before we go, because I, I think the first bit was heavily theological. <laughs> yeah. and, and before we lose our audience, I think it's, it's good to kind of put yeah. it, you know, in, in that kind of environment where they can, uh, you know, compare what they're living in their day-to-day -day lives and the information that they're receiving outside of the church yeah. and, and, and confront or interrogate some of the things we're, we're talking about now. So I think three things, uh, if I can, that I, while I remember them, patriarchy, slavery, and submission, 
uh, patriarchy is a very strong word, and, uh, and then obedience, uh, talking about obedience to scripture, I would say um, patriarchy is an extreme uh, on the far extreme. I don't think obedience to scripture is patriarchy. And I would say that being obedient to scripture is far more important than being culturally relevant or acceptable. And so I think our obedience to scripture is important here. And what we don't want to do is trump obedience to scripture and what God says and say, nah, scripture's old for us, times have changed, that's culturally irrelevant. The truth of the Bible is relevant for every age. Okay, it never goes irrelevant. And then I'd say um, slavery, to compare slavery with denying women a role mm-hmm. in the church, I would say obedience would trump that. It's actually not denying them anything. It's actually allowing them to be fruitful in all that God has called them to be, complementing mm-hmm. other roles. So I, I would say, so it's like sin. Say, so, hey, God, if you're denying me from doing what I want to do in sin, hey, that's like patriarchy, man. Dude, just leave me alone. Don't, mm. don't touch me with that. So I think I'd be careful, particularly with millennials who mm. can over-exaggerate terms right. and start saying, hey, that's... and labeling things mm-hmm. very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I just want to bring a warning there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then comparing slavery to not allowing women to be elders in a church is a very dangerous ground to go on. I think there is still slavery today mm-hmm. in modern days in the way that we unfairly pay people too little who work for us and serve us uh, in all areas. There's still modern day slavery. There's still uh, you know, buying and selling human beings for other means. So I'd be really careful. I don't know if I'm making sense on that line to yeah. answer your mm-hmm. question, but I just want to make those three quick points. Obedience to scripture is not patriarchy doesn't promote that Mm -hmm. i would say that slavery does still exist today and it's not we want to be slaves of righteousness and slaves to be obedient to what god's called us to do and what's in scripture Mm -hmm. Uh, and then going down the line of uh, slavery not being careful not to compare that to not (coughs) allowing someone to do something that they want to do if we allowed everybody to do what they wanted to do i like it we would live in a sinful world (laughs) because everybody wants to sin Mm -hmm. yeah can i just say something quickly um and eugene thanks for bringing that up because i think uh one of the challenges that we actually have uh two things the first thing is that i was reading something this morning just talking about how everything that not everything that is mentioned in the bible is necessarily supported by the bible Mm. but it's still mentioned because there's but there's a reason why, right? Mm-hmm. That's number one. And then the second thing is that there's a lot of influence from, from the outside, especially, you know, with everything that's happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. And I think the danger that is there is that we then want to sort of try and superimpose some of those views onto how the church should run. So, for example, somebody who is working for uh, an NGO that, uh, I guess, what, just social justice, you know, yeah, standing for the rights of LGBT, yeah, all, right. all of that stuff, right? That can be a job, but I think that the, the the danger there is that you can then come and start expecting the church to hold those same th- those same values. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's very important, and also definitions, like uh, like Sean rightly said, yeah. that making those comparisons is very. It's very yeah. difficult. Yeah, <laughs> well, I would say how a woman... So the simple answer is to how both men and women should function uh-huh. is by being filled with the Spirit of God as a believer and humbly and graciously submitting to one another out of reverence or fear of Jesus. 
And that would answer all of our questions. So being obedient to scripture. So, so let's give the example of Jesus here. So if we want to follow Jesus and what he's like, he's the guy who's head of the church, who's head over everything. There's no one above him. He's the name above every name. He chose to give up and submit to the Father and come from heaven to earth. He chose to be obedient to the Father and submit to the Father, even being obedient to death on a cross. Here's what he did for those who was following. So men, this is how we can follow the example of Jesus. We wash our disciples' feet. So the danger we've got to is a church and a leadership structure, particularly in the church, where pastors and leaders and elders have become these kind of idols put up like right up there. It's actually the other way around. It's follow Jesus' example. Humble yourself. Lay down your life for those who follow you. It's not about wearing a suit and a tie and getting the job on Sunday and having everybody follow after you. No ways. It's the other way around. It's about us serving those who are following us. And it's the same in the family. If the husband really loves the wife and leads her well, leadership means dying to himself, to his own desires. It's not lording it over his wife. The same with eldership. It's not lording it over the church and telling them, you do this, you do that, follow me. It's actually the Jesus model of submission, even to death, and submitting absolutely all of our own desires, our own rights and responsibilities. Jesus gave up heaven. We're to give up our rights to serve one another and lay down our lives. That would be the model. And as women, we uh, would have a far greater opportunity to do that in submission in the church by not longing for or going after these roles which I believe are not biblically right for women to run after would be to say Lord I submit to your call on my life the role that you have given me a biblical role to submit and to honor it like would free us up rather than to compare ourselves and find identity in a role say well that's not equal opportunity how can I can't and you can that's not fair actually was it fair for Jesus? You know, <laughs> That's the question I pose. I think we look at it often the wrong way and compare. And Interesting. The, the final thing I wanted to say before we move on, because what I want us to then talk about is um, outside the walls of the church, how yeah. this affects um, how society should, should run and how uh, a Christian woman uh, should, I guess, function outside, outside the, the walls of the church, right? This conversation will continue in the next episode. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk. On the Radiant Culture Podcast. On the Radiant Culture Podcast.